The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. His praises one day when sin was as black as could be. Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is He. The Word became
this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. was laid here in the death of Christ I live the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain and bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. For life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power from hell, no scheme of calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand Father God as we continue our worship Lord bring before you God our tithes and offerings God Father, we ask that you would bless them, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the way that you've given us believers to gather together even during a time as this, God. Father, that this Easter celebration may look so different than it normally does, God, but Lord, you've brought the focus back to you. Father, I pray that you work in each of our hearts, God. Father, that you reveal yourself to us, Father. Father, that you would continue to crush and press, God, and build us into who you want us to be, God, who you have designed us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross this morning.
my striving, now I am born again. There Jesus was forsaken, so I will never be. is my salvation the gift of God the work of Calvary it is done it is finished Christ has won he is risen grace is here love has needs no addition His mercy is complete His love is not in question God. Father, you bore our penalty for sin. 
Father, there is nothing left to be paid for. For through your suffering, God, it is finished. Father, we humbly bow before you this morning, God, and we thank you, Lord, for saving us in our wretchedness, God. Lord, you went to the cross and suffered an agonizing death, Lord, that we so rightfully deserve. And you took our place, God. There's not enough that we could give to you to return the debt that you paid, God. God, we thank you for your grace. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. John's Gospel. In the 19th chapter, the 30th verse, Jesus, as he was there on the cross, before he gave up his spirit, before he commended his spirit into the Father's hand, he cried out and said that it is finished. The cross, the crucifixion, probably one of the most horrendous forms of capital punishment ever known to man. A form that man had created that was intended not only to execute the criminal, but was intended to bring as much long-suffering as possible so that the person that would hang there on the cross would sometimes last for days before they finally gave up their life and they would die. And probably in all of history, uh, the most known of crucifixion is that of Jesus Christ. But undoubtedly, it's probably the most scandalous crucifixion that ever took place in the history of man. Uh, Jesus, guilty of, of no law violation, no violation of man's law, and certainly no violation of God's law, but he was perfect in every way, fulfilling the, the law of God, even to his very last sayings on the cross. The only offense that he had made was claiming to be who he was, was the Messiah. And he had the scribes and the Pharisees and the ruling court there in Jerusalem accuse him of blasphemy and had tried him in a kangaroo court. Um, really all the odds were stacked against him. There was no way that he was going to win that court battle. And having satisfied themselves that he was guilty of this sin of violating the law of blasphemy, they drag him before Pilate, the governor there of Rome in Jerusalem. And even Pilate himself found that this man is guilty of no sin or violation of the law and washed his hands of it and even in a compromise tried to offer up to them an individual who had been imprisoned by the name of Barabbas. Uh, that, that he would crucify him instead of Christ, yet they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. A part of the crucifixion and the cross is known that before the individual was hung on the cross to, to die, they would, they would receive a scourging or a beating by Roman soldiers after Jesus had already been beaten and, and mutilated by the, the, the temple guards there as they would spit upon him and they would mock him. They would ridicule him. They would, they would laugh at him and make fun of him. At this point, 
Probably from the beating, his, his body had become swollen and probably discolored by the bruises where the blood would rush to the skin where the capillaries had been burst. His eyes undoubtedly were probably swollen shut and, and matted with blood at that time. And, and even the, the humiliation of the Roman soldiers making fun of him because they wanted to uh, irritate the Jews. They, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head mashed it in so that it would probably have penetrated through the thin skin on his head to his skull and the blood running down and they hung over his head on the cross uh, the title King of Jews in a way to ridicule the Jews and, and probably the most uh, shameful thing that had taken place is that he would most likely have been stripped naked hanging there on the cross Isaiah had written some 700 years before this event in Isaiah chapter 52 describing what the Messiah would be like at the end of his life. He said in verse 14, As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. We talk about the cross to those who uh, are believers who have trusted Christ for their salvation. Boy, it's a beautiful thing. And it's amazing how God can take something so tragic and make something so beautiful out of it. We, uh, we, we love the cross. We boast of the cross. We talk of the cross. We wear the cross around our neck. Some of them are small and some of them are large. We, we hang the cross by our ears. We put it on our wall. And I've seen sculptures of the cross. I've seen paintings of the cross. And in any fashion that we might decorate, we use the cross. But Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross, that, that God would send His Son to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's a remarkable thing, that God could, could take what was intended to bring such harm and degradation, the cross, that God would use that for His power and His glory. You see, for us who believe, the cross represents forgiveness. The cross represents a freedom from the bondage of sin. And, and the cross represents the fact that it was by Jesus' shed blood that, that we've been purchased by God and redeemed. Isaiah, in that same prophecy in chapter 53, beginning in verse 3, would write this. He, meaning Jesus, the Messiah, was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. 
And to those of us who believe, we, we acknowledge and recognize that in, in that instant, in that moment, Jesus bore our griefs, that he is one who is acquainted with sorrows just as we are, and he acquaints and carries our sorrows to the cross there with him, that he was wounded for our transgressions, meaning those, those sins that we have intentionally violated God's law where we intentionally transgress against the law of God. By His grace, He was wounded for those, and He was buried for our iniquities. Those sins that we may not even be aware of, He, he was bruised for those iniquities, and He was chastised for our peace. Our, our peace, not necessarily with mankind, but our peace with God. The Bible tells us that, that before we came to know Christ, we were enemies of God, not that He made us his enemy, but we made him our enemy, and Jesus is our peace there between us and the Father. He was scourged for our healing. One of the last sayings, again, that Jesus had expressed on the cross was, it is finished. The Greek word that's used there is telestai. And, and he cried out, it is finished, tell us die. And he bids the question, what does he mean? What was finished at that moment when he gave up his spirit to the Father? Well, this word, tell us die, was used kind of four different ways in, in, the, in the day when Jesus had expressed that. The first way that it was used was in a form where if a master had sent his servant on a mission to do something for him, when, when the slave or the servant had come back to the master and had finalized all the details of what the master had sent him out to do, he would express, I have done exactly what you requested. The mission has now been accomplished. This word means the end, to bring to completion, to complete, to fulfill, to finish. Jesus had claimed that he had come to do the will of the Father. It was the Father's will that he would come and live a sinless life to show us the Father and also to die on a cross for the payment of our sins. This was the will of the Father, and he had come to finish that which the Father had sent him to do. Jesus also said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to become a ransom, a payment for many. That's you and I. He had completed that payment for the penalty of our sins. James tells us that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And so when Jesus exclaimed that it is finished, he's saying, listen, Father, I've come to do everything that you sent me to do. The second way that this word was used would, is, the, is the equivalent to the Hebrew term that was used when the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies once a year with the spotless lamb that would be slain, and once a year he would enter into the Holy of Holies where God himself resided among his people. And he would take the blood of that sinless lamb, and he would pour it out on the mercy seat of the altar. And the moment that that blood hit that mercy seat, the sins of Israel was atoned for. It was paid for. It was taken care of until the next year. 
And every year the high priest would have to enter into the Holy of Holies with the spotless blood of the Lamb to pour it out on the mercy seat as a payment and atonement for the sins of Israel. Year after year after year after year this had to be done. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that at this final time that Jesus once and for all entered into the holy place. But not by the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for us. And when Jesus exclaimed, it is finished, what he was saying is, Father, my blood has been spilled out as a permanent eternal atonement for those that would trust what I've done for them. Another way this word was used in Greek culture, Roman culture in the day was if, if one had gone to a lender, a bank, or an institution, or an individual to borrow a sum of money, and terms were set up for the repayment of that money, when the last payment was made, he would declare, it is finished, it's done with, there's no more owed. And with the blood of Jesus and his atonement for us, there's nothing else remaining for the atonement of our sins. I don't know if you've ever experienced the feeling of paying something off, but it is such a relief when you finally make that last payment on it. And it's a relief to us to know that Jesus has made the final payment for our sins. Lastly, this word is used in the sense of... of of a turning point where, where there's a quick change, if you will, looking in history where there's an immediate change going from the old into the new. And what Jesus was declaring is it is finished. The old covenant that was based on the law has now been fulfilled. And this new covenant is based on his grace. And so for the believer... Boy, looking at it is finished, we understand that that's what's bought us our forgiveness, it's what's bought us our redemption, it's what paid the atonement for our sins. But can I tell you this, at the end at the moment when Jesus declared it is finished and he gave up his goat, his ghost, it was not over yet. You see, he made provision for the atonement of our sins through the shedding of his blood. But there was still one enemy that remained that had to be conquered that was a consequence of our sin. And that enemy was death. And had Jesus not been raised from the dead, we would still be in our sins. It, one way is that the resurrection of Christ ratified all that had been done on the cross. The Bible in Romans chapter 6 tells us this, that the wages of sin is death. The, the payment for sin is death. And way back in the garden when Adam and Eve had sinned against God, God judged their sin by one, they became spiritually dead, separated from God spiritually, and also death would come. It was never intended for man to die. But death came, and that was a punishment of sin. And we're all reminded that there is a payment for sin. You see, every one of us are going to face the first death. The Bible says that it's been appointed to every man to, to die, and after that comes the judgment. And we're faced with so much death in our nation and, and uh, as a result of this virus, and we grieve over that. But can I tell you that that, that that is not the most grievous thing. The most grievous things are those who have died who will face what the Bible talks about as the second death. You see, every person will be resurrected. 
Some resurrected to eternal life with Christ, but others resurrected to face the judgment seat of God. Well, they'll be condemned because of their sin to the second death. The book of Revelation speaks of this second death in chapter 2, verse 11. But the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. Verse 14 of chapter 20. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And lastly, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, speaks of the second death. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you trusted, have you looked at Christ on the cross and recognized His shed blood as a payment for your sins? And have you placed your faith in what He did? And have you believed now that He died and that He rose from the grave, that you too shall rise again with Him and spend an eternal life with Him, and you have no fear of the second death? If you this morning have not placed your trust and your faith in Christ, I would encourage you, invite you to do that this morning. I could lead you in a prayer. I could say the right things, but that really wouldn't matter, even if you said the right things. For you see, we believe with our hearts, and we place our trust and our faith in Him. And right where you are this morning... I want to invite you that if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ for the payment of your sins, would you right now just express to Him in your own words, but mean it from your heart, Jesus, I believe that you paid for the penalty of my sin by shedding your blood on the cross. Jesus, I believe that you rose again on the third day, therefore conquering death. And God, I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ this morning and trust Him. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and save me so that I will not face the second death to eternal judgment and damnation. You prayed that prayer this morning or expressed that. We'd like to hear from you. If you can go to our website and just fill out that little connect card that's there and let us know that you prayed that, we'll follow up and get in touch with you. In closing, I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And in that statement, the gospel, he was thinking of the cross. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who would believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the cross, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. Making the way for the atonement of our sin, the forgiveness of our sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you not only made provision for the atonement of our sin, but Lord, you were raised again on the third day, conquering death. Lord, we love you. We worship you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going a little bit longer than normal this morning, but I I think it would be appropriate that if we sang one closing song,
just expressing our hearts to the Father and in gratitude and thanks for His love. Many of you expressed during the live feed that there were some issues, but I want to encourage you that you can go back and look at this after it's finished. We'll be uploading it to the website and to the Facebook and YouTube page. And if you are not able to watch this without interruption this morning, you can go back and watch the video and worship with us.
Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We love you, Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you and may his face shine upon you. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.